just sprung from our Wednesday study and some of the things that we've been wanting to to talk about. You know, the subject of spiritual warfare is is one that uh, a lot of people want to scoff at. Uh, they don't want to talk about. They don't want to bring it up. It's just kind of. It's just really just too weird, if you would, that that we even kind of deal with that subject. But the Bible deals with it, so I think you and I we need to be able to deal with what it what it says. You know, we live in a world that is fallen. We live in a world that there is a, just a whole bunch of evil out there, a whole bunch of wrong out there, and that's got to come. From somewhere, I remember a couple of years ago. This this is before I, I had my prostate cancer. That I was watching TV at night, ten o'clock news. Okay, today I would never see the ten o'clock news, but back then I watched the ten o'clock news. And I remember just one day specifically that as I was watching that, I'm laying in bed watching that, and 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 the first story was about some murder, and the second story was about another murder, and the third story was about another murder, and then there's a, there's a rape or two thrown in there, and there's some stealing in there, and I got to counting the first ten stories that I was watching on the news that night were all about a murder, a rape, or a stealing. First ten stories. I said, man, that's enough of that. I got I to turn that off. We, I can't do that. We live in a fallen world, don't we? We live in a world that says, man, it's okay to hate your brother. It's okay to have bitterness in your heart. It's okay to have unforgiveness. You know, immorality, I mean, it, yeah, we're just going to have to have to live with that. We hear on the news that, that Russia's fixing to go into Ukraine as, as war, and I don't know what we're going to do about that, but, but that, is a, that is a news story, and we see that. Uh, we spoke about last week about abortion and murder and, and those kinds of things and perversion and all that kind of stuff, and we just, we absolutely live in a fallen world, and that has to come from somewhere. Uh, in Ephesians six twelve, which, which I don't want to start at, but we're going to give you that verse today, and, and it kind of gives us some idea where this evilness comes from. And it comes from a spiritual war that that you and I are involved in. In verse twelve, it says this: It says, "For our struggle is not against flesh and blood." But against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in heavenly places. And and next week we will go back and define what all those are. Paul is saying that evil comes not from man, not from man's nature, not for who man is, but it's, it's not from flesh and blood, but it is coming from a demonic spirit that is alive and well here on this earth. And as Christians we are going to have to deal with that in some form or fashion. We are dealing with right now in the Christian life, right versus wrong. We are dealing with good versus evil. We're dealing with light versus darkness. We're living with uh, life and death. We're living with heaven and hell. And we're also living with obedience versus Rejection. We are we are in a spiritual warfare. I and matter of fact, I just got to say this. I hope you are, and I don't mean that by being mean, but I really hope that that you are dealing with a spiritual warfare issue. And I'll tell you why in just a minute. If you are living the Christian life, if you are trying to walk in a manner worthy of our Lord, if you are if you are 
your desire of your heart is to be more like Christ. I want to be just like Him. Then I can promise you today, if that is your heart and that is your desire, then, then you have a bullseye on your back. You have a devil and his demons that are out to destroy you, to take away your abundant life, to ruin your testimony, to make your life miserable. Because you see, the enemy that we have does not want you to walk the Christian life. And, and because you are walking the Christian life, the enemy says, I've got to do something about that. If you're doing something for the Lord, he doesn't like that. You know, but if, if you're not, if, 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 you know, if you're a person that, that you know, I, I'm not into this being sanctified, I'm not into this really living the Christian walk. I mean, I got, I got saved a, a ton of years ago, and, and I'm good with that, and, uh, you know, being separate from the world and, and walking in a manner and all that kind of stuff, if that's, if, if that's not who you are, if that's not something that, that you have chosen to do, then there, you don't have to worry about spiritual warfare. You don't have to worry about the enemy coming after you. Because, you see, he's got you right where he wants you, doing nothing for the Lord. I mean, just, just cruising along this whole life and, and doing your own thing, and, and you've got that, you got that fire insurance, and, and you know when you die you're going to heaven, and, but yet I don't really want to do much here on this earth. Satan's got you right where he wants you, and he will not. He doesn't need to attack you. But when you're doing something for the Lord, when you're standing strong for the Lord, when you are, you are, are doing what God has called you to do, I can tell you your enemy is out there not wanting you to do that. If that's the case, Christians, what do we do? Christians, if you are walking to walk and talking to talk, what, what are we supposed to do? How, how, how do we deal with this enemy of this spiritual warfare? What do we do? What are we called to do? We, the Bible tells us he is like a lion prowling around looking for someone to devour. How do we, how do, we do that? You see, that enemy, he's trying to steal your joy. He's trying to kill your abundant life, and he wants to destroy your very testimony of being a Christian. I mean, that's what he wants to do. He wants to steal, kill, and destroy, and to take you as far away as he can from loving on the Lord. So as Christians, what are we supposed to do? How do, how do we deal with that? How do we deal with that? Ephesians 6.10 is where I want to start here with that. And in terms of encouragement, that first part of the message is not very positive. I get that. <laughs> But Paul gives us some, some help here. In Ephesians 6.10, he says this, Finally, be strong in the Lord and the strength of His might. Be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. Because we struggle not against flesh and blood. The, the conflict is real. It is intense. And he tells us this, be strong in the Lord. You notice it doesn't say strength by the Lord. It says strength in the Lord. Strength in the Lord. What does it not mean? It doesn't mean that in our own power we can be strong to resist the enemy. It doesn't mean that we have to lift weights, if you would, to be a little bit tougher and a little bit stronger. So when, the, when, when we are attacked by the enemy, that, that we're buff enough in order to withstand the arrows and the slings that he's going to be shooting at us. It has nothing to do with our own strength 
in our own ability. He says, stand in the Lord. Well, what does that mean? It means, means to, be, to be strengthened or to be empowered in the Lord. And how do we do that? We abide in the Lord. John 15 says, without me, Jesus said, you can do nothing. Without me, you can do nothing. We must be a people that abide in the Lord. That word abide means to have an intimate and a close and a personal relationship with Jesus. Okay? To abide in Christ means to have a close, personal, intimate relationship with Jesus. And not just some uh, superficial acquaintance of Jesus in your life. Because you see, there's a big difference between those two. You see, as a born-again Christian, we are to have a close personal relationship with Christ. It's a difference between being saved and being lost. A a superficial acquaintance of who Jesus is very easily could tell you that maybe you have never been born again. You see, if you're going to abide in Christ and you're going to deal with the enemy and you're going to stand strong in the Lord, okay, you have got to have a close personal relationship with Jesus Christ. You have got to be able to abide in Him. That word abide means to be obedient to the teachings of Christ. Are you obedient to the teachings of Christ? When, when we read in here in, in, in the New Testament and we read about the red, do you read that and do you choose to be obedient to that? When, when, he, when he tells us to love and to forgive, are we doing those kinds of things? When he, when he tells us to turn the other cheek, do we do, we do that? When, when he says to run off and go pray by yourself, do we do that? You see, to abide in Christ means we must be obedient to his teachings. And we also must be obedient to the example of Christ. When we see how, when we see how Jesus lived and we see how he acted and how he reacted. When we see how that, that on a daily basis he would get away and, and pray by himself because he, he had to have prayer in his life so he knew what, what his father wanted him to do. And we see the example that he set and we see how he loved and how he forgave and how he prayed and how he he was in the synagogue all the time and and all of those kind of things. And if we are people that want to abide in Christ, then we will be people who follow his example. And when spiritual warfare comes into our lives, we are following his example and we gain his strength from that. Abiding in Christ also means to live a life free from the habitual sins that come our way. If you, have, if you are abiding in Christ, do you really want to sin? Do you like to sin? Do you enjoy sin? What do you do when you do sin? Do, do you run from it? Do you flee from it like the Bible tells us? Or do we kind of settle in in the sinful parts of this old world? If you are truly abiding in Christ... You will not want to participate in sin. And when you do, what do you do about it? You go to the Father and you confess and you agree with Him. And God's Word says, I forgive you and I'll clean all that up from you. You see, we've got to be a people like that if we want to abide in Christ, if we want to defeat the spiritual warfare that's coming at us as born-again Christians. We can't run to sin. We've got to run away from sin. 
Abiding in Christ also means that we understand the presence of God in our life. The presence of God in our life. See, if you've been born again, you have the Holy Spirit that lives with inside of you. Okay? Where the Bible says, will teach you all truth, will lead, lead you down a path of righteousness. He will give you direction in your life if you ask Him for it. And He also, what Bible tells us, will convict you of your sin. Do you understand that as a Christian we have God's presence in our lives? I would urge you to, to, to be mindful of, the, of God's Spirit in your life. I would be, urge you to remind you that, that, that God is always with us. I don't I mean, know how many times just, just driving down a road or something and, and I went out walking yesterday and over there at Acme Park and there was... A thousand geese in the water, you know. <laughs> and I'm just thinking, that's, that's awesome, God. That is your creation, God. There they are. You've provided water for them. There they are. God, I, 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 the beauty of those trees, God, that's just amazing to me. That mountain over there, God, just amazing to me. And you see, what, I, what you do is you keep God's presence in your life. And you acknowledge Him in your mind that, that He is Creator, and he is Lord. And, and on a daily basis, not just once, twice, but all the time, you just you reflect on God even as you go about your business. You go, wow, God. Thank you, Lord. That is understanding God's presence in your life. And if you ever want to abide in Christ, you will understand that God's presence is with you all the time. And I would urge you to acknowledge that. Another thing I would say about abiding in Christ is persevering through faith. Is persevering through faith. You know, this old, this old world's going to throw a lot of things at us, isn't he? And as we are abiding in Christ, if we are attached to the vine that he says in John 15, uh, we've got to be able to, to do that. We've got to persevere. I mean, the Bible talks about people of faith, and they, they make it for a month or two, and then it says they just kind of just wither off. Or life gets hard for some folks. It's hard for all of folks. Life gets hard and, and, and we begin to question who we are. We, we, we want to know that, you know, God, why God? And, 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 and they seem to move away from the faith and they seem to start missing church a little bit and they, they stop reading their word. If you're going to abide in Christ, you've got to persevere through faith in this old world. You've got to stand strong from this old world. You know, we looked at the other day on Wednesday that that great uh, Hebrews 11 chapter. And in that chapter, it lists, I don't know how many of, of God's saints, if you would. And, and, and it talks about how God would intervene in their life and, and, and just lead and guide and direct them. And, and, and it seems as if he just was protecting them. And, and of course, he, he talks about their, when, when he took those, those saints God's uh, hall of fame, if you would, and, 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 and he had his angels protect him and God would intervene and, and that there would be a reward for these folks because of their faith and their perseverance. Because God had, in essence, blessed them. But then we talked about in the last part of that chapter, starting in verse 38, he said, but there are a lot of folks out there that have been beaten and tortured and have lost their lives 
that have been in the desert all of their lives when life has been so difficult for them. And these folks also prayed. These folks also prayed, and it was as if God did not intervene, as if his angels did not intervene. It was was as if, the Bible says, they were just there by themselves. But it also says, by faith, they endured. When it didn't seem like God's hand was with them, when it seemed like the world was opposing them, God said, I understand, I see it. I respect your faith. And he says, your reward will be greater than those who I blessed in the first parts of this chapter. God is not going to forget. We must persevere in the faith when we don't feel like persevering in the faith. That's what it means to be abiding in Christ. If I'm going to be strong in the Lord, I've got to abide in Christ. I've got to be careful that we have an enemy that's coming after us, but I still abide in Christ. It is a life of dependence on Christ. Do you understand what I said? It is a life depending on Christ. I can do all things through Christ who loves me. It's a life of dependence. It's also a life that says, I am weak. When I am weak, you are strong. It is a life that says, man, I just don't know if I can keep going on in this deal. I am weak. I'm physically tired. Maybe I'm sick. Maybe I'm anxious. Maybe something. I am weak. But, you know, I know that you're strong. You'll never know how many times I have said that sitting right there before I come up here. You'll never know how many. Almost every Sunday. When I am weak, Father, you are strong. You were strong. When the Apostle Paul was trying to deal with God in, in, his, in his flesh, and he has this thorn in his flesh, and he said, God, it sure must be, it would be a lot easier for me in my Christian walk if you would take this thorn from me. Just take it away, God. And what did God say? Nah, he said, my grace is sufficient. When you are weak, I am strong. See, if we're going to abide in Christ, we have to understand that. When we are dealing with spiritual warfare, we have to understand that, that you are weak, but we serve a mighty God. We serve a mighty God. If we want to be strong in the faith, we must be born again. We must abide in Christ. And when we have done those two things, do you get this? We have at our disposal the very power of Christ living in us. And when the enemy attacks us, And he tries to knock us down. He tries to ruin our testimony. Tries to hurt us physically. We have that power at our disposal that only Christ can give to us. Because you see it says, be strong in the Lord. And when we do those things, when we've been born again and we abide with him, we can be strong in the Lord because it is the Lord's power who is protecting us and giving us strength. And not your own. I don't know about you, but that is an amen right there. <laughs> the second thing he says to us, well, really the third thing, uh, verse, verse 11. He tells us to put on the full armor of God. Well, we're not going to go there today. That, that, like I said, that's going to be next week. We'll get that one. But I do want you to see the second part of that verse, of verse 11. He says, so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. I think some translation says the wiles of the devil. 
so that you will understand the game plan that Satan has for you. That's what he's talking about. What is the devil's plan to destroy your life? Because we know he's out to get you. You need to know his tactics. Football coaches, basketball coaches all over the country every week are watching tape, aren't they? They're watching that tape and they're watching that opponent and they go, okay, he does this and he does it. This is his game plan against us. This is his strategy. This is the kind of things that he, I know he's planning to do against us. And I just believe as Christians we need to know a little bit about Satan's plan to steal, kill, and destroy your life. So I'm going to give you three today real quickly. Three, three tactics of the enemy, three tactics of Satan, if you would, uh, to, to bring us all down. The first one you see up there, it says, Satan will challenge what God has said. You remember in Genesis 3, Satan appears as a snake, okay? And he comes to Eve and he says what? Did God really say that? Did God really say that? And all he's trying to do is to create doubt in Eve's mind. All he's trying to do is, Eve, how, how, would, you, how would you define that? Eve, what, man, what do you think about that? What do, what do you think about that? You know, you have a, this God who is there. He's given you all this garden out there to, to munch on. It's all yours. And yet he would say, you can't eat from that one tree. He said, that don't make any sense. Why would God do it? God must be keeping something from you. He must not want the best for you, Eve. Did God really say that or did he say something else? And we find that Satan does the very same thing to us. Did you know that? Satan will come up to you and say, did God really say that? And here again, I'm going to put, put another plug in here. Why do I want you to know what God's word says? <laughs> okay. Okay, in detail. Did God really say, he does that all the time to us. He, he would tell us, did he really say that? Did he mean that? Is that it? I've heard this one. Is that in the Bible? And he's wanting you and I to, to decide for ourselves what God meant when he said, did God say that? I was talking this to Jerry this morning and he was... He was talking just about that very thing that, that one, one church in, in, in Clinton uh, will give a list of words that they have given human definition for in terms that come out of the Bible. And it, some guy has thought this up and, and written this definition. And, and the definitions don't match up with what God has, has to say. And what they've done is taken God's word and kind of twisted it a little bit. Did God really say that? Did God really say that homosexual is wrong or an abomination? But that doesn't fit in our society. Did God say there's two genders? Well, I mean, anymore. I mean, uh, did, did God say that, that abortion and murder are wrong? Did he really say that? And you see, in today's world, what's happening in today's world, Satan says, did he really say that? He didn't really mean that. Because you see, we live in a world where all that seems to work. All that seems to fit. I mean, I mean, come on, Christians. I mean, you've got to get with the, with the world here. You've got to get with the world. Did God really say that? 
and what we have done and what the world has done and denominations have done and churches have done and pastors have done and people have done. They have taken, taken uh, Scripture to fit into society. Whereas we should have taken society and fit it into the Scriptures. Do you see the difference? Did God really say that? And Satan will challenge you with that. Did he really say that? And he will twist what God has said in his word. you got to know his word. The second thing up on the board is he will challenge you who you are in Christ. He will challenge you who you are in Christ. How do I know he'll do it to you? Because he did it to Jesus. Because he did it to Jesus. When Jesus is, is, is getting ready to start his mission and he's in the desert for 40 days and 40 nights and he's physically tired and he's physically hungry we know what satan does to him he saunders up to him and he says if you are the son of god if you are the son of god satan knew exactly who he was but he's trying to put doubt in satan's mind if are you really the son of god if you're really a son of god you wouldn't be out in this desert someplace if you're really a son of God, you ought to be in some palace someplace. You wouldn't be hungry. You wouldn't be physically tired. If you were really the son of God, your life would be great instead of being out here miserable in this old world. And Satan does the very same thing to us, does he not? You're in a crisis in your life. You're in a struggle in your life. Things just don't go well. Maybe you're having a job struggle or financial struggles or something. And the enemy will come up to you and he'll do the very same thing. You're, you're a Christian? You're, you're, if you were a Christian, God would never put you through what you're going through. He would never do that. Because your God is a God of love. He would never do that. Obviously, your God really doesn't love you or care for you. I mean, he hasn't, I mean, he hadn't answered that prayer in how long? And he says, I'm going to challenge are you sure you're a believer? I heard on the, on the radio just this week, a, a gal called in to this talk show, and, and she goes, you know, I'm dealing with depression and, and struggles in life, and I just, I've been born again, I know, but it's like, gosh, I don't know. And where's that coming from? It's coming from the enemy that says, I, I, I want you to understand, are you really a believer? And he's trying to get her to doubt her salvation. He will challenge you and who you are in Christ. If you're really a believer, the enemy will tell you, he wouldn't put you through that. So he's going to challenge you to understand, do you really know who you are in Christ? Have you really been born again? The third area, just real quickly, that he will hit you with. He will give you a tempting alternative to ob obedience. He'll give you a tempting alternative. He will give you a compromise, if you would, to obedience. You remember when Jesus also was in the wilderness. Satan comes up to him, saunters up to him. And says, uh, come here, Jesus, uh, go stand up on this high mountain. He said, I want you to look out across this huge, huge valley. And he says, I want to I give all of that to you, Jesus. 
All of that, it's, it's been given to me, Satan would say. I want to give all of it to you. And all you've got to do is bow down and worship me, Jesus. That's all I want you to do. You see, what the enemy was trying to do, he was trying to keep Jesus from going to the cross. He was trying to go, Jesus, there, there would be a better way. You can save the world, Jesus, but all you need to do first is take this compromise and worship me. That's all he was trying to do. And, you know, it had to be tempting for the Lord. I mean, it just kind of had to be because, you see, Christ knew. He knew what the cross was going to do. He knew about the, the, the crown of thorns. He knew about them pulling his beard out. He knew about the beatings of, uh, that he was going to take. He knew about the nails in his hands and his feet. He knew about the spear. He also knew about that his father would have to turn his face away from him. Now, I don't know about you, but if I know that's my future... I might be looking for a compromise. And Satan knew it. Jesus wasn't looking for a compromise. But Satan was offering him a compromise. And, it's, and, it's, and it doesn't, doesn't look bad. Just worship me and then you can do all this. And you can still go across if you want to. Satan did that to Christ. And if he did that to Christ, guess who he's going to do it to? He's going to do it to you. And he's going to do it to me. He's going to give you... An alternative. He's going to give you a compromise that sounds really good. That even might even sound spiritual. So we must beware. He will tell you, you know, you don't need to go to church today. You don't need to go to church today. Just go do what you want to today. He's going to tell you that. You don't need to go to church today. Talked to a lady one time and said, you know, I don't need to come to church very often because... On Sundays, I have to mow my five acres. So when I mow my five acres, all I do is I put my headphones on and I listen to gospel music. On Sunday, I don't need to come to church. I can get, I can get what I need sitting on my riding lawnmower. No, you can't. Talk to a lady that said, you know, on Sunday mornings, I listen to four preachers. I listened to four really, really good preachers, I think is what she was saying. <laughs> and she said, I get all I need right there. No, you can't. Because you see, the Bible tells us, do not forsake the assembling of yourselves. It says, you come to encourage others as you receive encouragement. Hebrews 10, 24. God set Sunday aside for worship as a special day not riding on your tractor. Nothing wrong with listening to uh, music. Nothing wrong with that. But he says, I want you to be in my house on Sundays. Well, what about the boyfriend or the girlfriend that says, you know, you know I'm a believer, but my, my friend is not. But I'm going to move in with him. I'm going to move in with him. And I want to show him how a Christian lives, and I'll have a great example for him. And I'll, do, I'll lead him to Christ as I've moved in with him. No, you're not. You can't do that. You see, Satan will offer compromise. He'll offer alternatives to you that sound really good, that maybe even make sense to you. But you see, as Christians, Jesus has called us to do what? He wants total obedience to his word. Total obedience to his word. If you go back and read uh, Leviticus and Numbers and Deuteronomy when he's putting all the law together... God is so precise 
of what he tells them to do. And it's over and over and just that precision. And, I, and, and, and what God is wanting them to do is to make sure that you follow exactly what I say. The guy that uh, they were carrying the Ark of the Covenant and they were transporting it. And, and the Ark of the Covenant, the most holy thing that the Jews had, and it started sliding off the rails. And, and one man went and grabbed it and picked it up and, and held it so it wouldn't hit the ground. What happened to that man? I was says God took his life because God said, do not touch my Ark of the Covenant. You see, he has specific details, specific rules that he's called us to live by. Not half obedience, not dealing with compromise and alternative. If we're going to be obedient to, to God, we've got to be holy, totally obedient to his word. He will challenge us in many areas. He will challenge us by what God has said. We need to understand that he will, he will twist God's words to make it sound right. Again, you got to know his word. Decide for yourself, Christian, he will tell you what God's word means. No, ask the Holy Spirit to teach truth to you and find out what God's word means. Okay, he will challenge what God has said. He will challenge who you are in Christ. No, you're not a believer. If you were a believer, God would not. And you can just fill in the blank. He's going to come after you. Make sure you understand that you're not been born again. You're not a believer. You're not who you should be. And he's going to challenge you with that. You've got to know who you are. Ephesians 1. Read Ephesians 1. And he'll tell you exactly who you are in Christ. And the last thing he says, he will offer you alternative to obedience. He will offer you a great compromise that sounds really good. A compromise that really sounds spiritual sometimes. But God says, I want total obedience not partial obedience. See, you see, we have an enemy that says, I, I, I want to take away, I want to destroy Christian, your testimony. I want to destroy the passion that you have for this God that you think is real. Paul is telling us and Jesus is telling us, we must stay strong in the Lord by abiding in the Lord. We can't defeat the enemy in our own strength. But if we have, are abiding in Christ, we have access to the, all the power we'll ever need through Jesus Christ, and he'll give it to us. We've got to know his tactics. We've got to know his game plan if we are ever to be successful in this spiritual war that we're in. One other verse I want to give you to end on a very high positive note. It's a second part of John, 1 John 4.4. 4. And the second part is this. Greater is he who is in you. Greater is he who is in me than he that is in the world. What does that mean? That we have God Almighty living inside of us. We draw strength from Holy Jesus no matter what happens to us. And he is bigger and stronger and mightier and tougher than the loser enemy who tries to accuse us all the time. Try to make us think that we're not a believer. I don't know about you, but I'd sure want to tap into that power. Power of Jesus. When, when we are attacked by the enemy. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in this world. And that is the enemy. As we begin our time of invitation.
I hope you understand that as Christians, we are in a spiritual battle. You might not see it. I don't see it. But I can promise you it's there because God's Word says it's there. He wants to pull you away from your first love, which is Christ Jesus. He will do anything He can to get you to be pulled away. To not love Him with all your heart and your mind and your soul. Pull you away from being obedient to His Word. Pull you away from, from, from sharing the gospel with anybody. And the Apostle Paul tells us, he said, we are to stand firm in the Lord. Stand in His strength and not our strength. Don't take the easy way out. Don't take the compromise. Total obedience to our Lord. As we bow our heads and close our eyes in the piano place, I'll let you do business with the Lord. Maybe God needs to show you how to stand strong in the Lord when life is tough. The altars are open if you need to come.